The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the second part of my conversation with Reggie Williams, the NFL legend, former Disney executive and author of Resilient by Nature. He's going to tell us his key tips, what it really takes to be and stay resilient. You don't quit in the vacuum. And so when I try to communicate, you know, my quitting to my roommates, uh, that was unacceptable. And uh, I realized that I'm not quitting in a vacuum, that my quitting affects other people. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Bekali. Coming back to, to your book, and we talked about losing focus, resilience. Let's talk about quitting. There was another very interesting part in your book where you're talking about, okay, quitting is just something that one can consider doing. Another quote. Again, one that like I said, I have, to, I have to share it. Let me just see whether I find it here. There you go. And that refers to you're still at Dartmouth College. Okay, and you are also into wrestling. So referring to wrestling, you said, I had this thing in my mind that somehow there could be some good in quitting, which I fortunately overcame. And then my roommates and frat brothers, Lenny Nichols and Ken Mickens said, even if you lose every match, you are the incoming captain of our football team. You cannot be a quitter. Frat brother, you will not live here. If you quit, you will not be able to sleep. Now, quitting, talking about quitting, and we all sometimes just say, oh, I just can't hack it anymore. Why the hell am I doing? What am I doing? Let's just do it. Now, what is the fine line between really quitting or knowing when it's enough? How did you make the decision that quitting now actually impacts your image, your standing, even your legacy potentially in the long run? Well, that was an important uh, uh, day in my life because uh, quitting uh, is a personal. And when I came to that decision that I was going to quit, it was a personal decision. It was what was best for me at this time. What is going to, you know, uh, give me uh, the best of peace of mind. But uh, you don't quit in a vacuum. And so when I try to communicate, you know, my quitting to my roommates, uh, that was unacceptable. And uh, 
I realized that I'm not quitting in a vacuum, that my quitting affects other people. And that, uh, you know, my responsibility to other people, once I bring that factor into the decision-making, might preclude me coming to the ultimate decision to quit. In fact, I might bear down even more. I might refocus, you know, repower myself. I might have new inspiration uh, to, you know, overcome um, this, this, this circumstance of quitting, which will benefit me in the future, which it ultimately did. That brings us to the point that whatever you do, it does impact your environment and not only short term. Yes, it does. It affects the people who love you because the people who love you will share honestly uh, the impact of what you are uh, attempting to do. And, um, you know, that's, you know, part of everything, you know, at its core, which I learned most of my mom and dad is the power of love. You know, the power of, um, you know, just continued uh, adherence to positivity. Yeah. And, you know, that brings me, you're talking about your family, and that brings me to the question of idols. You mentioned also Muhammad Ali and what he did and that you admired him. First question, do you think having an idol and, and modeling your own career alongside, you know, walking your path with all the ups and downs is really a helpful tool to just say, I don't quit. Losing is just an obstacle to become better at the end of the day. It helps us. Well, you know, you, you, know, you live and you learn and you try to, you know, uh, communicate the lessons that allowed you to achieve success. And uh, in Muhammad Ali, I found a, a hero. And in my lifetime, you know, I didn't limit myself to one or two heroes. I bring them all on. <laughs> I need all the heroes I can get and want to live my life to just be one of many heroes for the, this generation of kids. But what Muhammad Ali really showed me that his compassion was bigger than the boxing ring. And that became... Uh, inspirational for me once I became a pro football player is that I wanted my pro football uh, reputation to exceed the football field. Uh, Muhammad Ali, when he stood up to U.S. government uh, yeah. to refuse induction, uh, to go to Vietnam, uh, he was vilified by most of America, but he was loved by uh, those who were of minorities. And uh, we all so knew that uh, no one at Vietnam had treated us near as bad as the white people here in the United States of America. Now that's an interesting one. And funny thing in, uh, in that order is he turned out to be one of the most recognized humanitarian on the planet. Yes, absolutely. I uh, had an opportunity to continue a lifetime relationship with Muhammad Ali and uh, uh, certainly uh, pray um, that uh, he is enjoying uh, all of um, the uh, honors that he deserves and uh, the sacrifices that he made. And uh, certainly uh, look forward to uh, continuing to uh, uh, see where his legacy takes us all. Yeah, ab absolutely. And your own legacy. Now, 
Let me quickly interrupt the conversation to say thank you that you are here with me on the channel. If you do enjoy what I'm putting out, the in-depth kind of conversations, then why don't you subscribe and also hit the bell button so I can keep you informed with our newest releases. Thanks for that in advance and let's get back to the conversation. A lot of interviewers, they ask you about, you know, all the injuries you had as an athlete. I think it's to be expected to have had some. And, of course, your relentless fight for your leg, which you won, because it was over and over threatened to be taken away from you. So no quitting there against all odds, that's for sure. Um, but would you actually say that the health challenge was the biggest challenge, Reggie? Yes, uh You know, I've had so many uh, health challenges uh, that were unique. There, there, there's one, just pure pain. You know, I, I really felt that I had experienced the worst of pain that a person could experience on the football field. You know, I've been knocked out. Uh, I've been hit so hard that one part of my body was in excruciating pain and the other part of my body was paralyzed. And, uh, and when you retire... Um, you finally say, I'm not going to be able to come back this offseason. I've got to retire. My body has had it. And you think you're going to now get better. But instead, I uh, faced some of the most devastating uh, circumstances uh, of my lifetime. Uh, the pain that I experienced uh, on the first um, uh Knee osteomyelitis, uh, that pain was excruciating. That pain was nothing like the devastation of an aorta dissection where you're looking at death within hours. Yeah. And that's nothing like a stroke where you feel like you're chained inside your own mind and you can't speak. That was scary. So in each and all of those circumstances, you know, I really uh, appreciate, you know, Uh, the doctors that have been there. And I've always appreciated my own sense of, of confidence in those doctors. You've got to believe in them. You've got to listen. You've got to trust the scientists. And uh, the technology has improved enough that even now that I've, you know, I'm talking about all the worst things I've gone through, I'm looking, I'm still looking forward to a long life ahead. Wow. And uh, all of us should. Yes. Yeah, and, and we all do. We all do. And I think it is so true what you are saying, because on one hand, you have the science, the technology, uh, listening to the doctors. But still, I think the dimension that you added to it also remembering the uh, when you had your stroke, I think the, the poem uh, Invictus is you had all the mental tools also to pull through this, this resilience, this mental resilience to pull through whatever, you know, was presented to you as a challenge physically. Yes, you know, Invictus um, has been very meaningful in my life. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to recite it for you just real quick because, you know, it has, it has that kind of meaning because the words, if you allow the words to mean what they are supposed to mean, when you come to those crossroads in your life, this will help you pick the right direction. And, uh, you know, Invictus by William Ernest Henley. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole. I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the first clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeoning of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. 
Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And if you believe it, you can love it. Absolutely. And that turns a victim into a winner, that you take self-responsibility and you just affront it proactively if you can. It's a wonderful poem. And I think in terms of the energy, thank you so much for reciting it, Reggie. Unbelievable. Thank you, Patricia. It's my pleasure. No. Well, before I let you off, I still have some questions. I'm sorry. I'm not letting off you, you know, so quickly, Reggie, because as I said, your book is, is pure gold and so much we can all learn from. Does a good athlete make a good manager? Unfortunately, no. I'd like to believe that, uh, you know, you can make that transition and many have made that transition. But, uh, you know, Paul Brown, You know, one of the greatest uh, coaches uh, in NFL history was never a player. He was a small guy. And, um, and yet, you know, he commanded uh, tremendous uh, respect. Uh, Forrest Gregg, um, who took us to our first Super Bowl, was a player. And uh, he was able to communicate his intent because he had a history that we could see on film. And, uh, you know, he was effective. But uh, Bill Walsh, who defeated him in the Super Bowl, was not a player. So I think it's, you know, it's how, you know, you are able to take the dynamics of the game today and see how you can influence it tomorrow to really be on the cutting edge of leadership. And, and sometimes when you play the game, you're sort of remembering how you played it versus thinking about things beyond your, your strategy, strategy that you yourself uh, benefit from. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I thought elements such as discipline, strategy, learning from the mistakes, you know, going over the tape, for example, of a game to see, okay, how did the team work together, the, the, the way the team needs to be really kind of played in and, and know what they expect from each other in order to move on as a team might have been a few elements that perhaps an athlete learns during that career and can implement when managing people. But, you know, I tell you, I've run into some fans that know so much minutia of detail, you know, that uh, it, it amazes me, you know, and, you know, fans who, who bet compulsively. I mean, their knowledge of the game is extraordinary as well. So, you know, uh, the beauty of sports is it's there, you know, uh, as a a canvas painted by the players for all time and uh, different leadership and uh, can evolve from the whole universe of people who, who love the game. And, and that really is not just unique to football, really, you know, in all sports, you know, there's opportunities for people uh, who aren't necessarily, you know, the pros in that profession um, that is not a closed shot for everyone. 
Okay, last question, Reggie, and then I'll let you off. And that is, you know, I ask this all of my all of my interviewees, resilience. What are the three key tips, insights you want to share? How to be, become, and stay resilient? Well, that's uh, trying to bring it succinctly down to three things, a whole book. I, I don't know. I, I think resilience, number one, it's got to start with truth. And um, secondarily, I think it's got to have a sense of love. You know, love is a continuum. Um, it, it's a continuum before our birth. And it's going to be a continuum after our death. So the things that we're doing in the interim should all be consumed with love. We've talked about truth. And I guess in the terms of uh, resilience, in order for the resilience, it has to be persistent. And so persistent, you know, uh, dedication to the truth and the love will drive you through all of eternity. Absolutely. Beautiful. And I want to finish uh, this conversation off with you, Reggie, and thank you so much for your time with the last quote, which I'm not going to show on the screen. I'm just going to read it out loud because that really is in the epilogue by Jared Bell. And he says that you said, there is a yin yang to decision making. There is a cost to every decision, and sometimes that cost is bigger than the return on that decision. But you live and you learn from those decisions. In the aggregate, every single decision I've made, I've followed a logical sequence of decision-making. At the end of the day, I can't regret anything. That was a great way to close the book. Uh, Jared Bell was a great person to collaborate with. Um, Uh, the book has a foreword uh, written by um, the w Russell Wilson, who is the son of Harry B. Wilson, who was one of my best friends in college. And uh, certainly I appreciate the opportunity, Patricia, to share my thoughts about resilience uh, with your audience and look forward to continuing our dialogue. Thank you so much, Reggie. Thank you so much for being on the show. Your book is full of insights, really a true guide. I loved it cover to cover. I can only really uh, <laughs> tell anybody, grab it, grab hold of it and read it over and over again because it's not only something to look into but to look up to and to grab onto like the Invictus poem you were uh, citing early on, Reggie. If you have hard times, you go like, okay, somehow I'm going to make the best out of this crisis and turn it into real positive creation. Thank you so much, Reggie. You got the essence of it all. Thanks for having me on, Patricia. And thank you, dear Mentory TV community, for having shared yet another conversation with me, this time with Reggie Williams. If you liked it, you know what to do. There is a subscribe button, there is a like button, and you can share this interview with anybody in your own community and find us on all of the platforms. So thank you very much, and I see you soon again. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I am an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. 
I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.